Now the following verses are known as ayatul miras. Miras. What does that mean? Inheritance. So basically, in these two verses, the law of inheritance has been mentioned in detail. We learned earlier, لِلْرِجَالِ نَصِيبٌ مِمَّا تَرَكَ الْوَالِدَانِ وَالْأَقْرَبُونَ وَلِلْنِسَاءِ نَصِيبٌ The men have a share and the women have a share. Right? Meaning they deserve shares of inheritance. Now what are those shares? Those shares are mentioned in detail in these two verses. And the science of inheritance okay, is known as عِلْمُ الْفَرَائِضِ or عِلْمُ الْمِرَاسِ Ilmul Faraid or Ilmul Miras. Faraid is from Fard, obligation. Meaning those shares which are obligatory, which Allah has prescribed. Or the science of Miras. So basically it is the science of the allocation of the heirs, the distribution of the shares. Okay, the allocation of the heirs, that who are the heirs and what are their shares. This is what the science revolves around. And this science is Fard Kifaya. It is not fard'ain. Meaning learning this knowledge is not a responsibility over every individual. Alright? Meaning, like we are supposed to learn how to pray, we are not required to learn how to distribute the inheritance. Every individual is not supposed to. But some individuals have to. They must. Who should learn the science? Those who are good at fractions. Those who are good at math. Okay? So if you are good at math, I highly recommend that you go ahead and learn the science. It's not that complicated. If you can do complicated math problems in high school, in university, you can also do this. So seriously, if you have that ability, Allah has given you a sharp brain, then go ahead and use that brain to learn the science because this is very valuable. It is very, very important. Now since it is not an obligation on every individual, therefore I am not going to go in too much detail. Because if I started going into too much detail of the shares and their relationships, then more than half of you will be lost. Okay? Will be lost. You know, when you're talking about fractions, it gets a little complicated. And when you're talking about so many relatives, there's so many things that have to be considered, so it gets quite complicated. But if you would like to know more, if you are interested in learning more about the science, there are many, many books that are out there. You can search on the internet. One of the most easy to understand is this book, which is Inheritance, Regulations and Exhortations. It's by Muhammad al-Jibali. It's available in our bookstore and in many, many bookstores across the GTA and everywhere else, basically, that you go to. But there are some things that everyone should know, which is why I'm going to mention them. First of all, remember that when it comes to the inheritance. There are three things that the science of inheritance revolves around. First of all, the deceased, the person who has died. Not a person who's 80 years old, not the person who's become chronically ill, not a person who's in coma. No, a person who has died. This is who the deceased is. This is the person whose property is going to be divided after his death. Not before his death, not when he thinks he's going to die, but when? After his death. The second thing that the science revolves around is the heirs. Who are the heirs? Those family members who deserve a share of the property that the dead person has left behind. These are the heirs. It doesn't mean every single relative, every cousin and aunt and uncle and person they know from the community. No. Who are they? Certain relatives. And remember that it's not all of the relatives it depends on what relationships a person has. For example, if a person is married, then his heirs will be different. If a person is unmarried, then his heirs will be different. If a person has grandchildren, or his son has passed away, or his mother has passed away, his father has passed away, you know, depending on which relatives he has, which of them are alive, depending on that, the heirs will be determined. So basically, each case is unique. The way your inheritance will be distributed is different from the way your father's inheritance will be distributed, different from the way your brother's, your sister's inheritance will be distributed. Alright? And this is the reason why it's a little complicated, because each case is unique. Alright? 
Then the third thing that the science revolves around is the estate. What is the estate? It is the property that the deceased has left behind. And it includes tangible stuff as well as intangible things. Tangible things like his house, his money, his gold, his investments, whatever it is. And intangible things, for example, a person may have certain rights. You know, copyrights, for example. Alright? Or, for instance, he has some kind of authority over some business or something. So even that is considered as part of the estate. So these are the three things that the science revolves of inheritance. Who is the person who is going to decide the shares of inheritance and divide them up? It's basically a person who's knowledgeable. Knowledgeable of the science of inheritance, of the law of inheritance. A person who has that knowledge. Alright? You could be a relative, could be a non-relative, could be a lawyer, whoever. Alright? Now, one more thing that you must remember is that there are certain things because of which a person is deprived of the share of inheritance. Meaning, even though he may be the father of someone, the son of someone, the husband of someone, and they technically deserve that share, but they will be deprived of that share. They won't be given that share. In which cases? In a case where they are the murderer. The qatil. So if for example a person has killed his son, a person has killed his father, then they don't inherit from their father. A person has killed his wife, he doesn't inherit from his wife. Alright? Likewise, a person is of a different religion, then inheritance will not take place. Alright? When a person is of a different religion, even though he may be related by blood to someone, then the inheritance will not take place. Because how can you impose the law of Islam on someone else? You can't. Alright? If someone is a Christian, they're Jewish, and they may be your relative, they may be your brother, your sister, but you cannot impose the law of Islam on them. You can't go and demand that, look, I'm their brother, I get this much share of inheritance from their property. You can't do that. Okay? So difference of religion obstructs the inheritance. And remember that the estate has to be divided in all circumstances, whether it is a lot or a little. The estate has to be divided regardless of the age of the deceased. They may be two years old, they may be twenty years old, they may be a hundred years old. Regardless of their marital status, they may be single, they may be married. Regardless of their parental status, they may be parents or not. Remember that the estate will be divided amongst all of the living heirs. All of the living heirs. So for example, if an heir Let's say a father dies and his son, he dies the next day. Then remember that when you distribute the property of the father, then you will give the dead son his share as well of the inheritance, even though he has passed away. It will be considered as part, it will be transferred from the father's property to the son's property and then the son's property will be divided. All right? Likewise, if there's a car crash, a car accident, one person dies and a few moments later the next person dies. And if there's a relationship between two of them, then the inheritance will take place. Meaning the share will be given to the person who dies later. Alright? So it has to be given to all the living members, even if they die a few moments later. And if there's a child in the womb, a woman is pregnant, her husband dies, and there is a baby in the womb, then the inheritance will be distributed after the child is born. Because if it's a girl, her share will be different. If it's a boy, his share will be different. If the child is not born alive, then the distribution will be different. Alright? Even non-Muslims have acknowledged that the Islamic law of inheritance is the most detailed law of inheritance. You don't get this anywhere else. You don't get this anywhere else. Every relative has been acknowledged by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has been given a share. And you'll be amazed at how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allocates the shares in so much detail. A third, an eighth, a quarter. I mean, this is the rahmah, the fadl of Allah. And here we are complaining, oh, but the religion of Islam is so biased. There is no justice. This is justice. That the decision has not been left to us, Allah has decided. Then also remember that an heir can give up his share. Let's say the son says, Mom, I have a lot, alhamdulillah, I don't need my share from dad's property, so you can use it. For example, all the children say, you know, we have a right in the house, but mom, you need the house, you use it. We are fine. We give it to you. Or for example, they see that one of their siblings needs more, so they give their share to their sibling. They can do that. Likewise, an heir can purchase another heir's share. 
So for example, the house is to be divided amongst two siblings. One says, I don't want the house to be given to somebody else. Right? If you sell it and you give me half the money, I want the house, not the money. So you know what? I'll buy the house from you. I'll give you the money. All right? So this can also happen. And also remember that when a person dies, whatever property he has left behind, that is considered the estate. What he has done in his life, you don't include that in the estate. So for example, if a person has given a gift to someone, let's say his son or his daughter in his lifetime, right? let's say he gave him a gift of a car, for instance. Now after he dies, the rest of the siblings cannot say, but he gifted you a car, so this is why we're going to subtract $20,000 from your share. So you cannot subtract from an heir's share what was given to him during the life of that individual who has passed away. So for example, if the parents say that you need the money now, why wait until I die? Right? So you need the money now. So what they do is they give equal amounts of gifts to their children. All right? Because in the hadith, this is the instruction that is given, that if you give a gift to one child, then you have to give equal amount to the rest of the children as well. You have to maintain equality between them. So over there you will not say that the son gets greater gift and the daughter gets a lesser gift. No. It will not be done according to the law of inheritance, but it will be done according to justice. So for example, if a person says, this son of mine, he's not my son anymore. Not because he's become a non-Muslim, but because he married someone whom the father did not approve of. So he says, you know what, you're not my son. You know, you can say whatever, but that son of yours is still your son. And when you die, he will inherit from you. Alright? Yes. Regardless of how sinful a relative is, they still, when they deserve a share of inheritance, they deserve it. Alright? And one more thing that we must remember is that the estate that a person has left behind, okay, he can will for up to a third of it to who? To a non-heir. Meaning that a person can specify before he dies that after I die, give such and such amount from my property to so and so friend, to such and such cause, to so and so distant relative. They're non-heirs, they don't deserve a share of inheritance, so a person can specify from before. But how much can it be? A maximum of the third of the entire estate. So for example, a person has a child whom they have taken care of all their life. It's not their own child, not a biological child, a child whom they have raised. Alright? It's understood that he's not their biological child. But they know that this child doesn't have any other family. And they want to give him something. They want to give him something. That adopted child cannot inherit from those parents at all. Legally, Islamically, he cannot. But that couple, what should they do? If they want to give him something, which is good, they should, because that child is attached to them, then what should they do? They can specify from before, but it can only be a maximum of a third. Yes. Yeah. Inshallah, the loans also we will learn about, that before the estate is divided, several things have to be done. First of all, if the person has made a will that a third of my money should be given to such and such cause, so and so non-heir, then that should be taken out first. Likewise, if he has some loan, some debts to pay off, then they should be paid off first. Whether those are debts that are to be paid off to people or to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. To people, like for example, bills. Alright? Likewise, some money that a person may have taken. To Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, like kafara or fidya. Alright? One more thing is that everything has to be divided. From the spoons to the refrigerator to the clothes to the pens and the pencils and the books and the furniture and the car. You name it. Anything that belonged to that individual, even their glasses, have to be divided according to the law of inheritance. You can't say, oh, the garbage, 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 garbage. Who's going to use a garbage, garbage, garbage? No, you can't do that. Everything has to be brought together first of all, and then it will be allocated to the different heirs. Last question, and then we'll look at the verses. There's never a situation where the money is not enough for all the shares, because you will only distribute what you have. Okay? You will only distribute what you have, even if what the heirs get is a few cents. Alright? For example, a person leaves behind only some clothes and some shoes. Let's say a kid. Alright? Now, 
what do you do? Let's say you decide the value of it, you estimate the value of it, or you sell it. Whatever money you get out of it, even if it's a hundred dollars, you will divide it according to the law of inheritance. So let's say one heir receives five dollars. That's his share. Alright, that's his share. Also remember that there are three kinds of heirs. One, usul. What are the usul? The foundations. Okay, the foundations. Meaning the root heirs, the origin heirs. Meaning those people from whom a person has come from. Who are they? His parents, his grandparents, they will inherit from him. The second kind of heirs are furur, branch heirs. Meaning those people who have branched out from that individual, who have come out from him. Who are they? His children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren, and the list goes on. Okay? I mean, however many generations down. How many ever generations up and generations down? But this is only parents, grandparents, great-grandparents. You're not including aunts and uncles, okay? Likewise, children, children, not nephews and nieces. It's children. The third kind are hawashi, the margins, the side heirs. And who are they? The siblings and the paternal uncles. The siblings and the paternal uncles. Now in these verses, we will learn about these three kinds of heirs. Alright? Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. يُوصِيكُمُ اللَّهُ فِي أَوْلَادِكُمْ Allah instructs you. You see from the word wasiyah to give an important instruction with a lot of emphasis. So Allah is giving you a wasiyah. Allah is giving you a very important instruction concerning who? Concerning awladikum, your children. Meaning this ayah talks about the shares of who? The children. That in which case, which child will inherit how much? This is what this verse is going to talk about. لِلذَّكَرِ First of all, لِلذَّكَرِ For the male child, مِثْلُ is similar to حَظْ The share of الْأُنْسَيَيْنِ The two females. The word حَظْ is from the root letters حَظَ and it means share, portion. So the male child, he will inherit a share that is equal to the share of two female children. What does that mean? That the son's share is double that of the daughter's share. So for example, if a person leaves behind one son and two daughters, then the property that is to be allocated to the children, that will be divided into half. 50% of it will be given to the son, and 50% of it will be given to the daughters. Alright, it will be divided up between them. So the two daughters will get 25% each, and the son will get 50% each. Not fair. You're like, stop, not fair. This is inequality. Come on, that's what you were thinking, weren't you? (laughs) My dear sisters, this is the only time in a man's life when he gets something for free. Seriously. When he gets married, he gives mahar. When he is married, he pays the rent. He looks after the family. Alright? If he divorces, he has to give mita. He has to give some kind of benefit to the woman whom he has divorced. Alright? Every situation in a man's life, what does he have to do? Give, give, give. And a woman receiving, receiving, receiving. And the poor guy, at a time when he gets something, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives him more. Why? Because what does he have to do with that money? He has to spend on his family anyways. Exactly, we are blessed. That if the son inherits, you know what he has to do with that money? He has to take care of the mother. He has to take care of the sister. The sister is not obligated to take care of the mother. The son is obligated. So we see that if the son has been given a greater share, it's because he has been given a greater responsibility and the poor guy gets a lot of money only at this time. So please, have some mercy on him. Okay? So, لِلذَّكَرِ مِثْلُ حَظِّ الْأُنْسَيَيْنِ فَإِن كُنَّ نِسَاءً So if they were, kunna, this is feminine, if they were nisa'an, females. Meaning if all the children were females. Meaning the man leaves behind only daughters. And how many are they? فَوْقَثْنَتَيْنِ Above two. Meaning more than two daughters. He leaves behind more than two daughters, whether there are three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, how many have her? But he leaves behind only daughters. 
Then Allah says, فَلَهُنَّ So for all of them combined is how much? سُلُثَا Two-thirds of مَا تَرَكَ Of that which he has left. Meaning two-thirds of the entire estate will be given to to the daughters and will be equally divided amongst them. Alright? Two-thirds of the entire estate. وَإِنْ كَانَتْ And if she was وَاحِدَةً one, Meaning he leaves behind only one daughter. No son, not two daughters, only one daughter. Then falaha nisf. Then for her is half. Half of what? The entire estate that the father leaves behind. Now this is with regards to the children. Wali abawayhi. And for his parents. Because a person, he leaves behind children. And he also leaves behind parents. Okay? So for his parents, an abawayhi includes both mother and the father. So for the mother and the father, لِكُلِّ وَاحِدٍ مِّنْهُمَا For each one of them too. Meaning for the mother and the father is how much? A sudus, one-sixth of what? مِمَّا تَرَكَ Of that which he has left. Meaning, you will take one-sixth of the estate, give that to the mother of the deceased. You will take another one-sixth of the estate and you will give that to the father of the deceased. And the rest of the estate will be divided amongst the other heirs. Alright? In kanalahu walad, if he has a child, meaning if the deceased leaves behind children and parents, then the parents, each of them will get one sixth, and the rest of it goes to who? To the children. فَإِلَّمْ يَكُلَّهُ walad. But if he does not leave behind a child, the man dies, he has parents, he doesn't leave behind any children. So let's say, many of us, we don't have children. I have, but many of you don't have, right? So, in this case, what's going to happen? وَوَرِثَهُ And he inherited him. Who? أَبَوَاهُ His parents. Meaning his parents are the only heirs. Then فَلِأُمِّهِ السُّلُسِ Then for the mother is a third. A third of the estate that that individual has left behind. If you focus on the verses, okay? And just take notes along with the verses. Don't write full sentences. I want you to focus on the Arabic. It will be much easier for you to understand. Alright? So if he does not have a child, his parents are the only heirs, then for the mother is? Is what? A third. فَإِن كَانَ لَهُ إِخْوَةٌ But what if this person leaves behind siblings as well? If he leaves behind siblings as well, then فَلِأُمِّهِ السُّدُسِ Then the mother's share will decrease. Before it was a third, now it becomes a sixth. So what do we see here? That when you have more heirs, then the shares will be decreased. Because it has to be divided amongst all of them, right? When you have more heirs, then the shares will be decreased. And all of this will happen when مِن بَعْدِ وَصِيَّةٍ After a wasiyah, you see biha That he may have bequeathed أَوْدَيْنٍ or a debt. Meaning, the inheritance stipulated for those mentioned will only take place after two things are done. These shares you will only allocate, you will only give when two things are done. Which two things? If the person has left a will in favor of a non-heir, then that will be given first. So a person says, my uncle doesn't deserve a share, okay, technically, in his situation, my uncle. Give him a third of my property. He mentions this clearly, that's his will. Now before his estate is given to his children and his spouse and his parents, it will be given to who? The share of the uncle will be given to him first. Awdainin or debt. Meaning if he has any debts to pay off, whether to Allah or to people, then they will be paid off first. So in other words, the distribution of the estate will take place when? After these two things have happened. Okay? The distribution will take place after these two things have happened. Because a person owes this money to them. Then Allah says, Aba'ukum. By the way, what does this show to us? If we have any loan to pay to someone, whether it is a fees that we have to pay for a course, or it is some bills that we have to pay, or it is zakat that is due, or some fidya that is due for fasts that we have missed, or some kafara for sin that was committed, or a hajj that has to be performed where a person has not yet done it, and he is obligated, then before the distribution of the estate, those will be paid off. And this is why when the janazah is performed, before the janazah, what is asked? 
that if there's anyone whom this dead person owed anything to, please come and ask. First the loans are given, and then the rest of the things are done. Allah says, أَبَاءُكُمْ وَأَبْنَاءُكُمْ Your fathers and your children. أَبَاء, plural of أَب, أَبْنَاء, plural of Ibn. Your fathers and your children. لَا تَدْرُونَ You do not know. تَدْرُونَ from دَالُ رَايَا دِرَايَا To be aware. You do not know. You're not aware. أَيُّهُمْ أَقْرَبُ لَكُمْ نَفْعَا Which of them is closer to you in benefit? Meaning you don't know who is of more benefit to you. Whether it is your parents who are of more benefit to you or your children who are of more benefit to you. What does this mean? You see, when we study these laws and we learn that this is something that Allah has obligated, we don't have a choice about it. We can't decide. A person might say, but my parents have always been so good to me. I want them to have everything of mine. My children are ungrateful, they are spoiled, they are you know, bad people, they're sinful, I don't like them, I don't want them to have anything from my property, so all my property should go to my parents. Or a person thinks otherwise, that my parents, you know, they've lived their life, they've enjoyed If my money goes to them, it will be paid off in their treatment and their medication. You know, my children, they have a long life to live. They have houses to buy, education to pay off. So they should be getting more of a share. A person might use such logic, right? Or a person might say, you know, my cousins or my relatives, you know, who do get a share of inheritance, they're not good, they're bad people. We've never gotten along with one another. They've said this harsh thing to us. They've been mean to us in this way. But what does Allah say? You don't know. You don't know. A person might think this: a certain individual should get less of a share because they might die quickly. And a certain individual should get a greater share because they may have a long life to live. But you don't know. Really you don't know. You don't know what's going to happen in the future. A person might repent. A person might live a really long life. A person might die the next day. You don't know. So when you don't know, then you leave the matter to who? The one who knows. Who knows? Allah knows. So you leave this matter to Him. He decides who inherits what. He decides who inherits what. And really, you don't know whether you are going to gain more reward because of your parents or because of your children. You might think differently because of your bias, your misunderstanding. You might dislike an individual because of how they are. But you never know, their existence in your life may be a source of blessings for you. So you don't know. Who knows? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows. And this is the reason why Allah says, فَرِيضَةً مِّنَ اللَّهِ This is an obligation from Allah. Meaning Allah has made this an obligation. What? The specific shares and the specific heirs. And trust Allah because إِنَّ اللَّهَ كَانَ Indeed, Allah is ever knowledgeable and wise. He knows, He is wise, there is wisdom behind every share that He has allotted. So trust Him and submit to Him. So what does this teach us? That we do not have any authority over our property once we have died. Once we die, ours does not remain ours. Alright? What is ours is until we live. You can do with your property what you want during your life. But after you die, you don't have any control over it. Allah decides what goes to whom. And all of these shares are based on the knowledge and the wisdom of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Yes. The female's property is divided in the same way that a male's is. I mean, it depends on the kind of relatives that she has, right? If she has children, then they get a share. If she has parents, they get a share. The husband and the wife's share is different. Meaning if a husband dies, his wife's share will be different from what he would inherit from her if she were to die. Okay? Like we discussed earlier, that all men, all women get a share. Not equal, but they do get a share. Like we saw, the share of the son is different from the share of the daughter. So, walakum and for you, meaning for men is nisfu half of ma taraka azwajikum what your wives have left. Meaning if a woman dies, then her husband will inherit how much of her estate? Half of it. إِلَّمْ يَكُلْ لَهُنَّ وَلَدْ If they do not have a child. Meaning if a woman dies, she didn't have any children, then her husband will inherit how much? Half. The other half will go to who? The rest of the family. Let's say her parents. Alright? 
فَإِن كَانَ لَهُنَّ وَلَدٌ But if they do have a child, whether it is through the present husband or the previous husband, if the woman who has passed away has a child, whether through the present husband or with the previous husband, alright? If the woman who has died, she leaves behind children, then فَلَكُمُ الرُّبُعُ Then for the husband is how much? A quarter. مِمَّا تَرَكْنَا Of that which they have left. So again, the presence of more heirs means less share. Okay? مِمَّا تَرَكْنَا Of that which they have left. And this will take place, meaning a woman's property will be divided after one, after مِنْ بَعْدِ وَصِيَّةٍ After a wasiyah, a bequest that you see nabiha that they had bequeathed awdainin or a debt. Meaning a woman also can make a will about her property. A woman has the right to decide that a third of my wealth should go to a non-heir just like a man has that right. You understand? So for example you, if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given you lots of gold jewelry, lots of money that's just sitting in the bank account, alright? So you have the right to decide that after I die, a third of my estate should be given, let's say in charity. Or let's say in the publication of such and such materials. Or let's say in the building of the masjid. Or let's say that distant relative of mine. You have the right. You can do it. Allah has given you the right. So this is one thing. Secondly, dainin, a debt. Meaning if a woman has taken a loan, then that loan will be paid off before the shares are distributed. So what does that prove? That a woman has a right to take a loan just like a man has a right. Alright? Meaning a woman can participate in financial transactions just like a man can. She has a right over her wealth. The question is that what if a person who dies has so many loans to pay off that even after their property is given in paying off the loan, still there isn't enough. Then obviously the responsibility lies on who? The family members. Alright? Befalls on them. Then Allah says, وَلَهُنَّ الرُّبُعُ Now in the case of the wife, for the wife is a quarter, مِمَّا تَرَقْتُمْ Of that which you have left. إِلَّمْ يَكُلْ لَكُمْ وَلَدْ If you do not have a child, Meaning if the man does not have any children and he leaves behind a wife or more wives, then in that case, how much share do those wives get? A quarter. فَإِن كَانَ لَكُمْ وَلَدْ And the rest of the property will go to who? To the parents and the other heirs. And if you do have a child, فَإِن كَانَ لَكُمْ وَلَدْ A man leaves behind children and a wife. Then فَلَهُنَّ thumun. Then for them, meaning for the wife is an eighth. مِمَّا تَرَقْتُمْ Of that which you have left. مِنْ بَعْدِ وَصِيَّةٍ After carrying out the will, تُوصُونَ بِهَا That you have bequeathed أَوْدَيْنٍ Or a debt that you have to pay off. Now, what if a person dies leaving behind no parents, no children? No grandparents, no grandchildren. Possible? Very much possible. So in كَانَ رَجُلٌ If there is a man, يُرَثُ كَلَالَةً Yurathu, he is being inherited. Meaning his estate is being inherited by who? By heirs. But this individual, he is a kalala. Awimra'atun, or a woman. Meaning a man or a woman who is a kalala. He has passed away. The question is who is a kalala? Kalala is the one who does not have usul, nor does he have furur. Remember the three kinds of heirs? He doesn't have the origin heirs, meaning the parents, grandparents. Nor does he have any branch heirs, meaning no children, no grandchildren. Then what is he leaving behind? Hawashi, the margin heirs, the side heirs. And who are they? The siblings and the paternal uncles. Alright? So this is who a kalala is. And the word iklil is from the same root. And iklil is a crown. If you look at a crown... What is it? It's like a circle that does not have a base nor does it have a top part. Right? It doesn't have anything at the bottom nor at the top. What does it have? Just a margin. Just something that's on the sides. So this is who a kalala is. He has all the side heirs, side relatives, but nothing above and nothing below. Okay? So in this case, whether man or a woman, 
وَلَهُ أَخٌ And this person, he leaves behind a brother, a أُخْتٌ or a sister. He leaves behind a brother or a sister. And or over here gives a meaning of and as well. So whether he leaves behind one brother or one sister, or a brother and a sister, then to the siblings, فَلِكُلِّ وَاحِدٍ مِّنْهُمَا Then for each one of them is how much? السُدُسْ one-sixth. Meaning, then the siblings will inherit, and each sibling will inherit how much? A sixth. فَإِن كَانُوا أَكْثَرَ مِنْ ذَلِكَ Then if there were more than that, more than what? More than two. Meaning more than two siblings. Then in that case, فَهُمْ شُرَكَاءُ Then they will be sharers, partners, plural of shariq. Meaning they will all share, the siblings will all share in how much? Fithuluth in the third. Meaning the third of the estate will be distributed amongst who? The siblings. When they are more than how much? More than two. So if for example a person dies, he leaves behind one brother or two brothers or one sister and a brother. Then how much for each of the siblings? A sixth. Alright? But if there are more, let's say he leaves behind four brothers, or two sisters and two brothers, then in that case, a third of the entire estate will be equally distributed amongst them. Okay? Before, each was getting a sixth. Now, a third will be divided equally amongst them. Alright? And all of this will happen, مِن بَعْدِ وَصِيَّةٍ يُصَابِهَا أَوْدَيْنٍ Same condition. You see how many times it is repeated? After a wasiyah that will be carried out, or a loan that will be returned. And then Allah says, غَيْرَ مُضَارْ غَيْرَ مُضَارْ مُضَارْ from the root letters ضَادْ What does ضَرَر mean? Harm. To harm someone. مُضَارْ is one who harms. That which harms. Meaning, the will, the bequest of up to a third that a person makes should not be made to harm. To harm who? The heirs. That a person says, my heirs, I don't like them, so I'm going to leave all of my property for these lovely cats that I own. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Okay. So, غَيْرَ mudar. You can't make a will to harm a legal heir, a rightful heir. You can't do that. No matter how much you dislike them, no matter how much they annoy you, you can't do that. غَيْرَ mudar. And people look for loopholes and some ways, you know, some way or the other through which they can deprive someone of their legal right to inherit. Allah says, غَيْرَ mudar. You see, intentions, they matter a lot. And غَيْرَ mudar also means that the will should not be more than a third. So if for example, a person in his ignorance or in his disobedience to Allah, if he makes a will of more than a third, will that be executed? No. It will not be executed. If a person says, give all of my estate to my cats, feed them for the rest of their lives, hmm? and feed their generations and generations to come and build the best house for them, and, and have a vet for them that's available 24-7, because I love these cats. So anyways, if a person does that, will it be carried out? That will? No. A third of the money can be given to the cats, but not more than that. Okay? The rest of it has to be distributed amongst the heirs. Allah says, وَصِيَّةً مِّنَ اللَّهِ This is a wasiyah from Allah. Look at the word wasiyah. Wasiyah is being spoken of, and Allah uses the same word. That when you make an instruction concerning your wealth, you want it to be obeyed. You want it to be followed. Allah is giving you wasiyah, so you follow that. This is a wasiyah from Allah. وَاللَّهُ عَلِيمٌ حَلِيمٌ And Allah is knowing and forbearing. He is knowing and forbearing. So, what do we learn in this verse? That the division has been made by Allah and it will be decided according to the law of Allah. I'm sure you haven't understood all of this 100%. You may have a thousand questions. You may have to picture everything, you know, calculated mathematically, all these shares and everything. But really, like I mentioned earlier, it's a complicated science that is very detailed. This is what is mentioned in the Qur'an and this is the foundation. This is the basis of the science of the law of inheritance. The details you will find in the hadith. You will find in the statements of the companions, in the way that they calculated inheritance. Alright? And it's amazing that only two verses are dedicated to this science. You can say three, because there's another verse that will come at the end of the surah. 
that talks about the kalala again. So you can say that in a way three verses in the Qur'an talk about the law of inheritance. Only three. This is how comprehensive the kalam of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is. And the details you will find in the sunnah. Allah says, تِلْكَ حُدُودُ اللَّهِ These are the limits that have been prescribed by Allah. Hudud is a plural of had from hadal dal. Hadda is to set a boundary. To set a boundary. Like for example, this divider that you see here at the back of the hall. What is this? A had. Okay, this is a had. What does it mean? Why has this boundary been set? That when you're in class, stay here. You're not allowed to go on that side. So those of you who are sitting on that side, come back in. Anyways. And those who are on the other side, are they allowed to come in here? If they want to come as listeners, but not to play, not to sit and have tea. Alright? Why? Because there is something else going on right now over here. So anyway, the point is that a had is a boundary that is placed so that it is not crossed. Alright? So that it is not crossed. And the word had or hudud in the Qur'an is used for two things. Firstly, it is used for the commands that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given. And secondly, it is used for the prohibitions that He has set. So firstly, those things which Allah has commanded us to do, and secondly, those things that He has told us not to do, stay away from. And when you are inside a particular place, okay, inside a walled place, then what does it mean? That you have to stay inside. You don't go unless there is a genuine reason, unless you have the permission to go. Alright? So likewise, the commands of Allah, we are not allowed to disobey. This is why Allah uses the word hudud. And when there is a property that is guarded, that is walled, what does it say? No trespassing. You're not allowed to come in, so don't go. So when something is forbidden, you're not allowed to do that, so don't do it. Over here, tilka hududullah. What does this refer to? The commands, meaning you have to observe this law. Which law? The law of inheritance. Even if you don't like it? Yep. Even if you have a reason to disagree? Yep. When you're a Muslim, you have to follow the law. Because these are the hudud of Allah. وَمَن يُطِعِ اللَّهَ وَرَسُولَهُ Whoever obeys Allah and His Messenger, يُدْخِلْهُ جَنَّاتِ Allah will admit him into jannat. You see, this inheritance, this matter of inheritance, is you can say the last test that a person goes through in his life before he dies. Because before he dies, he can make a wrong wasiyah. Isn't it so? He can say, give all of my wealth to so and so. Burn my property. I don't want my children to take anything. I don't want my heirs to take anything. Or he destroys it himself so that he leaves nothing behind for his heirs. I mean, a person can do such things, right? You know, somehow change the law of Allah. He can do many things. And if he does that, then it's as though all of his life he has been obedient and at the end he has disobeyed Allah and failed. And a person who lives his life in obedience, and at the end he passes this test as well. Then what does Allah say? That him yudkhilhu jannat. Allah will admit him into jannat. Tajri min al anhar. Underneath which rivers flow. Khalidina fiha. Abiding therein eternally. وَذَلِكَ الْفَوْزُ azim, And that is the great success. That is supreme success. This is success. What is success? Entry into jannah. Success is not how much money you've left behind and how rich you have left your children. And how even though you have died, your house is still in your family's name. Or even when you have died, your business is still in your family's name. No, this is not success. When you die, your property, your business, for some years, okay, even though you've disobeyed Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it will stay with your family for some time, but eventually... It will go, right? It will be given to others. So then is it worth disobeying Allah? It's not. True success is not how much money you leave behind to your daughter, to your son, to your relatives. True success is entry into Jannah and that will happen when you obey the law that Allah has given. وَمَن يَعْصِ اللَّهَ وَرَسُولَهُ And whoever disobeys Allah and His Messenger, 
وَيَتَعَدَّ حُدُودَهُ And he crosses the limits that Allah has set. يَتَعَدَّ from عَيْن دَال وَاو It's from عُدُو عُدُو is also from the same root, enemy. What does an enemy do? He crosses the limits in his enmity. So يَتَعَدَّ He crosses the limits. Meaning Allah gave the laws, He did not care about them, He did whatever He wanted to. Then such a person يُدْخِلْهُ نَارًا Allah will put him into fire. Allah will enter such a person in the fire of hell, خَالِدًا فِيهَا Abiding therein eternally. وَلَهُ عَذَابُ مُهِينَ And for him is a humiliating punishment from the word هَوَوْنُونَ Humiliating. A person doesn't wish to give part of his property to an heir because he feels that he will be humiliated. That someone who has been disrespectful to him all his life now walks away with some of his money. So a person wants to deprive that individual of his right. Even though Allah has given that right, He wants to deprive that individual. Because he feels humiliated. Humiliation is in hellfire. Or a person wants to take revenge from a certain relative. You didn't listen to me, you didn't cooperate with me. Now your share of inheritance, my son, I've told him never to give it to you. Possible, right? Or a son has disobeyed and a person says, I disown you, you're not my son anymore. Why does he do that? To humiliate that child. But the fact is that the one who is disobeying Allah is humiliating himself. The one who disobeys Allah is humiliating himself because for him is a punishment that is humiliating. So this is the last test observing the law of inheritance correctly. It's the last test. And it's a very important one. The Prophet ﷺ said, a man or a woman might perform actions in obedience to Allah for 60 years. Yet, when they are near death, they leave an unfair will and thus acquire the fire of hell. For 60 years they have been obedient. And at the end, they leave behind a wrong will. And thus they acquire the fire of hell. So this is a very, very serious matter. And this is the reason why, even though this knowledge, the science is a communal obligation, those who have the talent to learn, the skill to learn, they must learn. Because only when you will learn, then this awareness will spread. Unfortunately, many Muslims are unaware. How many of you knew about the details of the law of inheritance? We weren't aware. And this is just the tip of the iceberg. There's much more justice and mercy that you see when you study the science. So it's a very important science that should not be undermined, it should not be ignored, it should be learned and it should be practiced. People should be made aware of it. Because it's very crucial to success in the Akhirah. And also notice one more thing. Obedience to Allah and His Messenger. Disobedience to Allah and His Messenger. Both are mentioned over here, right? Why? Because the law of inheritance... You learn from the Qur'an, but you also learn a lot from what? The sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ. So you cannot ignore that. And this is the case with every science in our religion. You learn about it from the Qur'an, and you learn about it from the sunnah. And you have to take both of them together. Let's listen to the recitation. يُوصِيكُمُ اللَّهُ فِي أَوْلَادِكُمْ لِلذَّكَرِ مِثْلُ حَظِّ الْأُنْثَيَيْنِ فَإِن كُنَّ نِسَاءً فَوْقَ اثْنَتَيْنِ فَلَهُنَّ ثُلُثَا مَا تَرَكْ وَإِن كَانَتْ وَاحِدَةً فَلَهَا النِّصْفُ وَلِأَبَوَيْهِ لِكُلِّ وَاحِدٍ مِّنْهُمَ السُّدُسُ مِمَّا تَرَكَ إِن كَانَ لَهُ وَلَدٍ فَإِن لَّمْ يَكُن لَّهُ وَلَدٌ وَوَرِثَهُ أَبَوَاهُ فَلِأُمِّهِ الثُّلُثُ فَإِن كَانَ لَهُ Fatimah, 
person's estate divided after they die. What's the law? That the will that you make carries a lot of weight. The will, what I mean by that is not up to a third concerning your wealth, but whatever you decide concerning your wealth, when it's approved by a lawyer, the stamps are present, that for example, you write in your will that after I die, such and such money of mine should be given to so and so, so and so, so and so, then by law, that has to be carried out. But the government is not going to make sure that the inheritance is done according to the law of the deen. It will be done according to what you have said. And if you haven't said anything, if you haven't written anything, then I've heard, I'm not sure, somebody mentioned over here as well, that a portion of the estate is taken by the government. Allahu alam, I do not know, so please don't quote me anywhere about this. Okay? But if that is true then you know what? Our shortcoming, our falling short in our duty is going to deprive our heirs of their right. So the point is over here that when you are living in this country and Allah has given you some wealth, then you must go to a lawyer and make a will. And in that will, you don't have to say, my parent, my mother should get this much and my father should get this much and my son should get... Because you don't know what the situation will be when you die. Right? You don't know which heirs are alive. And mashallah, every other day, you know, new relationships are being established. A person may be getting married, a person may be having a child. So based on that, the heirs become different. So what should be done then? According to the law of Islam, according to this system, you know, that I give the responsibility to such and such individual to divide my estate according to Islamic law. So get that done. Don't delay. The Prophet ﷺ said that if someone has some wealth with regards to which he would like to make a will, then let him not sleep in the night before making that will. So when you have some wealth like that, and in fact it is a responsibility on you to ensure that the inheritance is divided according to Allah's law, 
then you better do your part as soon as possible. Investigate according to your own situation. But this is what I and my family have done, that we went to the lawyer and we've made a will like that. That such and such individual will divide according to Islamic law. And it's not difficult to do. It's not going to take much time. Just go to a lawyer, get this done, get it stamped. It's not going to take that much time. Yes. Exactly. You don't have to wait until you become 60 years old, until you retire, until you buy a house, until you become chronically ill. You don't have to wait until then. Do it now because you don't know when your death is coming. Right? You know, a decent amount of wealth. They have some investment. They have some assets. And also, whatever you own, make sure that your family is aware of it. Now, it doesn't mean that you keep telling your sister, I have this much money in my account, okay, by the way. And you boast to your brother, I have this much gold sitting in my locker, by the way. You don't need to do that. But you need to have some kind of document, for example, that lists it or, you know, whatever you can do so that the family is not unaware. They're not lost after you die. Yes. A sister will inherit from her brother. Yes, in the case where the brother does not leave behind, you know, parents or children, then the sister will inherit. And this is regardless of whether she has children or not, whether she is married or not, whether she was dependent on him or not, regardless. For example, if a person dies leaving behind a house, and that house, all his children have a right over it, right? They deserve a portion of it. Now let's say two sons are living in that house. Can they live in that house? Only if the rest of the siblings allow. If they say, no, I need my share, then they better give them their share. Either they give them the money, or they sell the house and give the money, whatever is possible. But they must do that. And if they don't, then they are consuming someone else's property unjustly. Yes. At what age should a person be concerned about making a will? Age doesn't matter, wealth matters. A person could be 8 years old and they may have a lot of money. It's possible. Remember Richie Rich? <laughs> okay. So a person could be a minor and still be very rich. Alright? And a person could be very old and own nothing. Okay? So if you own something that is of value, let's say you own some gold jewelry. Okay? Some little girls, they're like a few months old and their parents put gold bangles on them and gold necklaces and earrings and all that. So they own it, right? Unless the mother thinks, I oh, know this is mine, I'm just lending it to the daughter. Yes. You know, there is a child who dies and the things that belong to the child are actually the parents, if you think about it. Right? You know, when a child is born... When they're little, when they're young, whatever they own, who gets it for them? The parents get it for them, right? And the parents decide what to do. Otherwise, you couldn't give any of their clothes away. Alright? You couldn't use it for their younger siblings. Whatever is theirs, you keep until they get older and they decide what to do with it. No, that's not the case. So when it's these things where the child does not have any decision, any right over it to decide, then the parents, obviously, they take everything. But where the child has something of value, let's say the child is even two months old, all right, and their father dies, and the child inherits $200,000. Only two months old, but they own $200,000. That doesn't belong to the mother automatically. And in that case, if that child were to die, that $200,000 will be divided amongst the child's heirs. It will not be taken by the mother. It will be divided amongst the heirs of that child. Okay? Yes. The thing is that inheritance is by relationship. Which relationship? Either of blood or through marriage or of wilaya. What is blood? That the two individuals are related through blood. Father, son. Not father and stepson. What I mean by stepson is, let's say the wife's son. Not the man's son, but the wife's son. So that son will not inherit from his stepfather because there is no blood relationship between the two. Do you get it? Secondly, inheritance is through nikah. Meaning if there was a relationship of nikah between two individuals. A man and woman, they're not related by blood, but they're married to each other. So they will inherit from one another. And the third relationship is of wilaya, meaning that if a person owns a slave, okay, and they freed that slave. Now that slave... Let's say he didn't get married and have children, nothing. He was just a single person. And he dies. So his 
estate, his property will be inherited by who? By his ex-master. Why? Because who does he have? This man, this slave does not have any other relatives. doesn't have anyone. You understand? So his ex-master will inherit from him. So these are three, you can say, links through which people inherit. What? Blood, marriage, and wilayah. Okay? Sure you have gazillion questions. Refer to the book that I told you and refer to reputable Islamic websites. Subhanakallah wa bihamdika nashadu an la ilaha illa anta nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilayk. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.